in a world that has more than enough information and noise. Is it even possible to truly anchor ourselves and have peace in a scattered world? Hi, this is Pamela and Mary, and we are a mother-daughter team who span two generations but share one message. We will delve into what it looks like to be fully integrated, body, soul, and spirit, and will bring encouragement and hope all along the way. We get it. Life is hard. And let's be real. Hard doesn't even begin to describe it on some days. But we want you to know that you're not alone. And not only that, we are here to come alongside you and cheer you on as you walk out your individual storyline. So join us as we journey together and laugh, cry, and everything in between. Welcome to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey Madre, how's it going? Hey Mary. I'm on this little silent retreat. I'm calling it that because... It's the first time and really ever, it seems like, that you know how some of us ladies would like to just stay in our own home. Oh, right. As opposed to going somewhere for a retreat. Yes. I think Tuesday will be six days. Oh, my gosh. That I don't have either of my clients or, and my husband. They've gone on a little mini trip. And all I can say is this is everything I had hoped or thought it could be. <laughs> no matter what's happening around me, I just pivot and I pivot back to... I think I told you, Mary, the other day, just work is the only thing off the table. Otherwise, everything beautiful and lovely. Man, so many of you women, I wish and pray and bless you with such a few days that you could have. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, that's so good. That's so good because when I think about being home, actually, I would think the opposite only because when I'm home, my only context is work. And so Charlie, my husband, is always, you need to leave the house because you can't rest or chill if you're in our house, you're always just thinking about work. My office is in my house. And so to be able to be in your house and say, nope, you're not allowed to work. You can only do whatever is lovely, whatever is beautiful. I'm like, that would be difficult <laughs> and also amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I'm 30 years ahead of you. That's so true. you'll be ready That's true. by then. That's true. Yes. You will be you're ready by then. paving the way. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, we are finishing up our series on acceptance. This is our last week, our fifth week of acceptance, and you can go back and listen to each week in October. We talked about different parts of accepting and what that looks like, and we are finishing up this month with the acceptance of the cross, and mm. I feel like that is so loaded in uh, so many ways, but I also feel like that's everything. That's everything. It is everything. And yeah, as I sat on this, well, I'll just jump right in. I know it's like you, you have to, how do you define what is everything right. and what's the core of Christianity and who Jesus was? It's hard because when we think about the cross, it's always been offensive. It's an offensive thing. Jesus is the God of the universe who's hanging on a cross naked and seemingly alone. All of it is offensive. Yeah. When Jesus says, I am the way to the Father, that's a little exclusive. And we're, we're not about exclusivity today. Anyone can find things to either be offended by about Christianity, the cross, and all that it represents in terms of dying to ourselves. It is, this is a very loaded subject. But I think at the end of the day, one of the things that struck me first is, I can still be ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. That's not my core self, but I can be in situations where I feel compelled to just say to a server, you look like maybe you're stressed today. I'm just going to pray for you in my heart right now. 
I don't even have to say, can I pray with you? I can just say, right now, I'm just praying for you. And I just want to bless you that you'd have peace. That's not always easy for me to get out right, of my mouth. Right. And just looking at my own shame of yes. that is like, oh, my gosh, when people all across the world yeah. are literally laying down their lives or going through horrible things because they're a Christian, I have to say, you can't help but almost judge yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, how can this be? So I'll start by the first, just saying all of the weight in the day that we live in of what Christianity and the cross means. It's offensive to others. And honestly, I can carry my own shame at times by not wanting to bless someone with the gospel. So there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. And I think in our culture or just the way we are, we want like, after you said that, we want to be like, oh my gosh, I totally get that. I'm the same way. And just justify <laughs> for each other. And it's like, are we just covering for each other? Now you're going to scratch each other's yes. back and pat each other and say, you know what? It's okay. Right. I get it. Right. <laughs> and it's like, but what is the Lord saying? And I think that yes. is what we're saying in this last week of acceptance. Are we accepting God's call over our lives? Are we accepting what the Lord says? These offensive things that we just want to skip over of, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. Yes. Why did the Lord say that? He wanted to offend the Pharisees, <laughs> or he knew he was going to. Maybe that wasn't the yes. sole intention, but he knew it was going to greatly offend them and expose their heart. And yes. the Lord is still about that, exposing yes. our hearts, exposing all the recesses, all the dark places unto life. Yes, absolutely. I kind of started with the literalness of the cross, yeah. even though the implications particularly in the New Testament, go so deep. But when I say literalness, I just mean for Jesus himself. It's just such an oxymoron that the God of the universe would be mocked and misunderstood yeah. and betrayed by the people who seemingly loved him the most. I was thinking about this idea of betrayal. And so Jesus was betrayed firsthand by his followers and by the religious leaders, it's not that he was without emotion or void of emotion or feeling or pain. And I think of Judas betraying him. But all of those things are like the tension that he walked in constantly on the earth was to choose the Father's will above his own yes. and to love well. Yes, yes. So, so that brings me up to one of the points when I think about the things that Jesus set aside one of them is his position. And I was trying to find a common place to think about my position. You can't compare Jesus laying aside his position in the Godhead to uh, uh, something I might feel. But right. I was able to come up with something. And I, I was thinking, I think one of the hardest things for me at almost turning 65 in a month is... This position I have as a wife, yeah, like I can feel that position deserves to be loved well. God said it. That's what's supposed to happen. Right. That's what he created and intended. And throughout a long marriage, it's sometimes I feel like I have a right to be loved the way I want to be loved. Right. And yet God continues to remind me, and it's one of the most painful things is to accept that what God is really saying is you love well, yeah. that I, I'm asking you to love well. 
and to know that I love you. Now, I'm, I'm, this isn't anything against my husband, but I'm saying that those expectations right. to hold on to my position. Yeah. And again, I can't even compare it. There's no comparison. But the fact is, is that Jesus being God took the form of flesh. Yeah. So in that way of position, it's like I think we just don't sit on these ideas long enough till it'll pass our brain and drop into our heart about the magnitude of what all the things are that the cross represented for God himself to endure and to accept laying aside his position and his rights. Yeah, I I think there is this tension because like you said, it's like we feel like we have this right to so many things. So many. Jesus is saying, if they treated me this way, how much more are they going to treat my followers and my disciples in this similar way? Meaning misunderstanding, mocking, persecution. And so the Lord's saying, yes. expect this and lay down your life knowing that this life is unto eternity. We are laying down our lives. We are living for another age. We talked about that in the last couple of weeks. Do not be surprised by suffering. Do not be surprised when these things happen, when these trials and things happen. And we're saying, the Lord is saying that this life is not our own. Yes. Our rights and our agenda, our time, our money, our resources. Are we laying yes. them down? I'm talking to myself when I'm clinging yes. to them. And the Lord's like, it's not yours. Any extra time yes. that you have, are you laying it down saying, God, what do you have for me? Any money that yes. I have, am I saying, Lord, what do I think it's mine because I, I worked so hard for it because the Lord gave me a gift to be able to do this? What, am I so much better than someone else that I have money, so now this is my money? The Lord's like, none of it is yours, Mary. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Mm. And with a joyful heart saying, yes, Lord, I get to lay it down. I get to give yes. my time and money away. I get yes. to be humble and to go low and to be misunderstood and... No, that's not happening in me on a daily basis. And so how can we begin to walk out that daily communion of laying down our lives at the cross? Yes, that's also sobering and it's so intense because I think our mind and our thoughts and our agendas and our to-do lists are just so far outside of who Jesus was and who he calls us to be. You use the word daily in what you were saying there, and I'm struck with the verse that Jesus is really saying that we have to take up our cross daily. Right. I think the more we delve into the cross, we see that this was for us. It was for us that the joy set before yeah. him. I think the joy set before Jesus was first and foremost for the Father's will. It, it is for the Father and it's for his glory, but it is also because he is on fire for the bride that God has promised him, and that is all of us. I think these little deaths every day that God is calling us to, because few of us will be called to lay down our life intentionally for someone else. The reality is that sometimes we almost feel like this is a harder cross to bear because most of us are doing it in our own strength. They're trying to work something up instead of exchanging our own hearts and our own affections for him. And I think when that happens, then this exchange is happening so that I'm not living my life anymore for myself. I think one of the ways that can happen is if we have an eternal perspective. Yes. That there's something so much greater 
and that we're filled and we're being transformed by the love of the God of the universe that we're empowered to really choose and prefer his culture, his value, his calling. And so I think when that intimacy starts to happen, I think at least we can begin to get a picture or a grid for laying down our lives. Yeah. For wanting to love well. And at moments we can just be full of the Holy Spirit and see it so clearly. And interestingly enough, we can walk away or wake up the next morning and be in a completely different headspace. Right. Yes. This is why Jesus is saying, pick up your cross daily. You have to reframe every day because we are like that little bunny rabbit in my yard that just hops all around is easily distracted. Yes. Yeah. It's that mirror. We look at it. We see truth. And then we walk away. Sometimes not even every day, every hour we're in it, Mm. we're feeling it. And then the next hour we just, it's gone. The mirror is taken away and Mm. we're just swept into our own self-deception. I've mentioned a book called Secrets of the Secret Place by a guy named Bob Sorge. And um, it's kind of a devotional to me. But here's a quote from him that I could uh, identify with. He says, we must revisit the crucified life because self has an uncanny way of crawling off the cross and asserting itself. That's so good. Yeah, I can just see myself like a worm Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, there's a blade of grass over there and just slithering and crawling off. And then just in a moment can say all the reasons why I have a right to this. Yes. I I know myself, Mary, you know me and you know that I can just go into. Yeah, justification for our rights. Yes, even justifications for our sin, but we're calling it holy, like our pride Mm -hmm. and our shame to cover our shame. And so, yeah, how, how deep does a rabbit hole go? I would say you and I both know in our own lives and in the people we love and in people all around us, we see it in ourselves, we see it in each other. And yet we talk so little about it. That's really the point here is that we would all be awakened to not all the people around us who are messing up. The problem is that we've got a log in our own eye when maybe our neighbor or our family member in comparison have a speck. Maybe they know they're the worm and we think we're the butterfly and we're just soaring and much more lofty than those around us. This is the most dangerous place we can be. Yeah. We want to really see with the eyes and the heart of God that we would desire at least to go low and allow God to work these places of death within us in a way that might be hard or difficult or even painful. But it's the only way to the kind of life that God wants us to have in this life. Yeah. Really, we are just representatives of him. Even that is a way of going low. It's not about me. I want to point you and talk about him because he is beautiful. And it's just crazy how it all gets about us. Yes, yes. I I don't know if I've shared this. So recently we've had a problem with our fridge and the water dispenser hasn't been working. It was like every time I put my cup under it, the water just like spurts everywhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, something's broken with it. I keep telling Charlie, fix it, fix it. And he's like, I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know what the deal is. And then a couple of weeks ago, he comes up to me. He's like, babe, do you want to know why it wasn't working? And I was like, I don't know. Do I? (laughs) And 
He's like, it's not broken. There was literally such thick black mold covering the dispenser that water couldn't even get through it because there was like a film of mold. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the most disgusting thing ever. And then I started researching. And of course, everybody's like, yeah, you have to clean your water dispenser in your fridge. You have to get one of those little straws and clean it with vinegar and you like push oh up my the gosh. straw up through the little water dispenser on the front of your fridge. I've never even thought to do that. I know people listening and they're like, that's disgusting. But <laughs> I'm usually good about stuff like this. I just never even thought to do that. And for oh a long gosh. time, right? A long time. <laughs> like your whole marriage, probably. Oh, yeah. But I was just blindsided to this mold. Mm. And then we're like laughing about it. I'm like, I wonder if all these weird little health things with me or the kids. I'm like, we're like thinking is all these other things. I'm like spending time and money and research. And we're like, maybe we're just all drinking mold. That's what's been happening. It's actually pretty dang simple. So it's kind of funny, Mm. kind of disturbing. Now, none of us can even drink the water. We're like, I taste something even after we've cleaned it. But anyway, the Lord just so used that picture and has been speaking to my heart about these things that have just, like you were saying, we're just so blindsided. We're so blindsided Mm. by the black mold that is just so, so distorting what's true and Mm. blocking our ability to see truth, but we don't even know it. We don't even know that we're drinking water that's contaminated. We think we're drinking water that's living. And that's the disturbing part, right? That's the scary part. And that's the part we can all kind of be like, what? But I didn't even know I was doing that. It was just in my ignorance that I was drinking contaminated moldy water. But I feel like the Lord is saying, if you sit with me, I will expose things. If you're willing to look at them, If you're willing to go low and to be humble, I give you opportunities to see the black mold in your life. But so many of us, me included, so many times, I'm unwilling to look at it or justify it or minimize it in every way that we do. But the Lord's saying, nope, Mm. it's there and it is affecting things. And honestly, that black mold probably did taste a little off and a little funny, but I was just like... I'm sure it's fine. Or yeah, the fridge is acting kind of funny, but I'm sure it's fine. And it wasn't until the water literally wouldn't come out of the faucet or the dispenser Mm. that I'm like, okay, obviously now we need to fix it. So I think when we talk about the acceptance Mm. of the cross, really what we're talking about is the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb that washes over all of us. I think about the bleeding woman who clings to the hem of Jesus's garment and says, you are the only solution us falling on our faces before the cross and saying, Lord, we are nothing. We are nothing. We are a worm, like you said, and none of us are exempt. None of us have anything like King David. I have no good in me besides you, Lord. And show me, expose my heart, fill me with a heart of humility. Let there be nothing within me that can boast outside of you and your glory, Lord. Mm, Yes, that's so right and so beautiful. I do think that we can get so caught up with looking at other people and being filled with judgments that we don't realize. One of these ways is because we're just trying to, even if it's on an unconscious level, justify ourselves and somehow think that we're more righteous than whoever it is in our lives that we're looking so intently on, whether we're researching something that's upsetting us on the world stage or 
we're just going from one place to another to look at <clears throat> and to gaze upon someone else's brokenness. Right. And we can get really caught up in that in a way that we're lost. And this is where we can have a log of pride and justification. Even to the smallest things, we begin to normalize the little lies yeah. or the exaggerations or whatever it is that we somehow think we're more righteous than someone else when we compare in ways that God doesn't even take into account in the way that we do. Yes. Seeing ourselves rightly and getting this mold out of the way of our sight, we begin to drink so much moldy water that we can't even discern what is clean and lovely and pure water yes. anymore. Yes. And that's disturbing to mm -hmm. me. It's disturbing because I have to realize I'm being saturated in this culture like everyone right. else and have the same, if not as much or more pride than anyone else. I would say 100% my actual cognitive part of myself is all in regarding the cross. I've spent time in this subject. I love this subject. I love what it does to my insides when I sit in this space. Like so many other things that God has revealed about himself, but we lose ourselves and we lose so much that God has for us by not sitting with him and letting him reveal these things to us. That's where, like, I love what you said, the blood of the lamb, it begins to cleanse everything and our sight. We see that we're blind and now he gives us sight. And it just goes on and on from there. Yeah. And even going back to what you were saying about if we had this better understanding of eternity, and we've talked about in weeks past of if we really understood how God was so relentlessly for us and so good and so faithful, how it would yes. literally shift everything in our lives. In that same way, how much it would shift everything if we realized that, oh, this life is but a moment and eternity is what we're living for. We're not living for this age. We're living for the age to come. Just like babies in the womb, I've always gotten this picture of us as humans. Like if we just clung onto the inside of the womb and, you know, giving birth and it's like, no, I'm not going out. Like this is my home. <laughs> and the doctor's like, no, but that wasn't ever even, that was just like to prepare you. What are you doing? Yes. You're supposed to come out, little baby. I like literally want to make like a book on this. And it's a good one. It? And like the little baby yes. like, has this whole narrative and all these this little stories that happen in these nine months. And it's like, no, I don't want to go out there. And this is my home mm. in the darkness and the silence. But they have no grid. They don't have any understanding of the life outside the womb. And so mm. getting that revelation of eternity. And once we get that revelation, oh, this is for but a moment. But there's so much life waiting on the other side. I remember a couple of years ago, Charlie and I were getting ready to go on a mini vacation or something. And the kids were going somewhere with my sister. She was going to take them out for ice cream into a movie. And the kids were like, oh, mom, are you coming? And I was like, no, I can't come. I'm going to stay home and clean the house. And they were like so sad for me. And they're like, you're going to stay home? How lame is that? You don't want to come get ice cream and watch a movie with us? You're going to stay home and clean? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, sure, maybe going to a movie and ice cream with you guys, that sounds fun. But I know in my head, in two days, I'm like peacing out of here and I'm going on a vacation for a week. And so I'm happy to stay home right now and to mm, clean my house. So right? good. And it's like that revelation. 
it was a non-issue. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yes, I'll lay down my rights. Yes, I'm going to stay home mm. and give this up because this is nothing in comparison to what's to come in, yes. in that vacation. So yeah. yeah, I'm just wanting to walk in that more of like, what? Yes. My rights, my money, my time, my agenda. This is nothing. I'll gladly lay every single part of it down, Lord. If I get nothing, if none of the promises that I desire happen on this side of eternity, and if I lose everything, truly, in a moment, everything shifts. In a moment, I get it all. And I'm like, Lord, help us to walk in that more. A thousand percent. Because, right, what do we teach? It's all about the narrative. Right. Right? We say that our stories are true, and there is truth in them. But what really is the most truest thing to us is our take on that. So this is why this is and this is who I am. And now that's just who I am. In reality, at any point in time, we can begin to look at things in a much different way if we begin to get God's heart and see things from his perspective. When I was 12, I got a glimpse of eternity, not in a vision, actually, but just in a way that God is kind to a little girl. And from that day forward, eternity to me has been mind-boggling, so beautiful that I can hardly think about it without being moved with emotion. And I know that's a gift, but I think in closing, we do really want to lean into this because if this is not in our grid Almost every day, nothing is going to have meaning. Everything's going to look like a train wreck. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to lead us with broken hearts and disappointment and expectations for a world that's to come that is not yet now. But what we are promised now is that God is with us. He's walking with us every moment and he does not sleep. He's never surprised There's so much that we can have now in terms of peace and joy and certainly hope for this life that is beyond anything we can imagine. So I would say yes and amen to all of those things that this talk about something that can change our narrative, thinking that we're eternal beings and there is an eternal home with eternal people and Just sitting with the Lord and asking him to show us and giving us an eternal perspective is a narrative that could change our lives. The last thing, Mary, that we talked about briefly before we were recording today is one of the primary things that we both see around us is accepting death itself. Right. I think if your whole narrative that death is something to feel claustrophobic by, afraid of, it's an unknown you don't have peace about it, or you downright have terror and fear about death. I think this would be one thing that we would also like to mention, that if there's this gap and you are a child of God and you're still having this struggle with physical death itself, I think one of the things we're saying, Mary, today is that allow God to change your narrative. Yeah. Because to be terrified of physical death is a result of something. And that is not God's narrative. He's very proud about what he's about to give you, what you're about to inherit in a real way. And I think this is something 
that could steal and rob and cause undue unconscious anxiety all the time in a running narrative in the very, very back of your mind and your heart. We would say that part of the cross is accepting death. Right. Accepting that death is the door to life. Right. Right. As Jesus knew and understood that you too, because Jesus was resurrected, that we too, this is a certainty. There's no returning to the ground in your soul and spirit, man, but that we would begin to get engaged with this promise and this amazing gift and God is going to share it with, you know, it's not like we are on an island by ourselves. that we'll continue these relationships that all the beautiful things, and I always say, there'll be no smell or taste of fear. There'll be so many beautiful things about what's missing and the beautiful things about what is. This idea of beginning to accept death, certainly daily, that we're dying to ourselves in a way that's producing life untold because God is an upside down kingdom. He doesn't operate like this world in any way. By giving, you receive. By dying, you live. All these crazy little oxymorons to our heads and our brains. These are realities. These are realities that God invites us into. And I would say, believing that the day of your death will be the most beautiful day you will have ever experienced in your life i think that's not living in some sort of disconnection but that's living in the reality of the kingdom of god we want to close today by just encouraging you whatever it is whatever these things are that you're afraid of and that you're holding on to and that you're resisting all the way up to whatever is causing you anxiety and separation from peace with god we just We know this was a hard subject this month, but we just want to remind you that behind every fear door, there is a place of peace and acceptance that can cause your life to be meaningful and full of peace and full of joy, even in the midst of whatever it is that you're having to face. Again, we pray for you. We're with you. And we're so glad you joined us today. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the More Than Enough podcast. We are still busy behind the scenes setting up our website, but for now, if you would like to stay up to date or follow along, you can follow us on Instagram at Girls. That's A-M-E-S-G-I-R-L-S. We know that because we're a newer podcast, one of the best ways for people to find us is through reviews. So if you would take just a few minutes and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we look forward to chatting it up again with you next week. Have a lovely week.